Hello, this is the Creatively Unworthy Podcast. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> I'm Larry Chambers. Uh, I'm Rebecca Spencer. And uh, this is our first episode. Yep. We're going to talk about what creatively unworthy means. And how that affects you as an artist. Because it's kind of who we're talking to is the creatively unworthy. And what that really means is if you're not making millions of dollars, if you're not working for a Wall Street firm, if you're not in academia headed for a PhD, if you don't own a you know a three million dollar mansion, have a beautiful husband or a beautiful new wife um, with large breasts, by the way, for the older American males. Oh, we should get monetized. <laughs> you're you're not you're not worthy, you know, because that really sets the standards for. America is to be rich and and then have have a beautiful 2.1 children and a beautiful wife with large breasts. And once you're there, then nobody can attack you. You think blah 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 blah. But we're the other side of that coin. We're the creative part of that society. And mo- what I found is, like so many creative people, they're dyslexic. They're ADD. They're weird. They don't have college degrees. Lots of times. And there's a struggle because you need time to develop your skills and you're not going to compete in this, in our society, unless you, you know, graduate from school and have, you know, be able to spell your name and have, you know, have a certain amount of, of, um, uh, I want to say credibility in that area, but it's how you get there. So part of this i believe the my why kind of in doing this is to answer the problem and you know the problem is really you need time to develop your talent you need emotional support to get through difficult periods and you need a pathway and a vocabulary that speaks to you so that's kind of what this is about so i guess we could start by rebecca telling us your add or your story about being in school you're in school now yeah obviously graduated a long time ago yeah but I also wanted to say I think I find it interesting that our dynamic is you're already a practice artist and you've been through a whole bunch and I'm like just starting out and getting into the yeah and that's how that's this thing really came about was you're my my eye doctor's daughter and I'd sent him something and or, you know, we all had lunch one day and I listened to you and I thought, wow. And he told me that, you know, you were dyslexic and stuff. And you had the story. And I said, why don't you send me, send me like volumes of the story? And I'm like, oh my God. I'm you so know. sorry about that. I feel <laughs> like I was always like this spamming is, your inbox. That is what I'm talking about. You're unworthy, the, cre- the creatively unworthy. We do not feel that we're worthy to have anybody review our stuff. Oh my God, say that it's good. You know, I mean, I can remember being in, I can remember almost to the day in uh, third grade, and this was back in the, in the fifties, and I did this drawing and, and entered this contest. It was in San Francisco. So there was a lot of, you know, grammar schools and I won and it was on television and it was this picture. And, and back in the, in the day, the teacher would, you know, wheeled in this television set 
black and white, hook it up. And there was, there was my picture. And, and I remember the smartest girl in the, in the school, her name was Barbara Bunn. She became my, my nemesis in grammar school. Of course. And of course. She turned to me and said, artists are all gay. They don't make any money. No. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, huh, thanks for the uh, encouragement, you know, because she was the one that got all the accolades. She was, she could read at a, at a sixth grade level when she was in the fourth grade. She was just like, mm -hmm. this amazing. And she, because she was so good, she became the teacher's pet and the spy. And she would- um, The spy, I love that. Yeah. That's so true because- So true. Do. And she would come around and like go, why are you so dumb? How come you can't, you know, I couldn't even read at the fourth grade level. I mean, I was reading at like, if they had a minus second grade level or something, I was probably there. But nobody knew what dyslexic was. They had no concept that being dyslexic was actually one of the more smarter kids in the school. Like to- More smarter. More smarter, yeah. Okay. That's perfect, that's a perfect, that's perfect. More smarter. Yeah. I'm more smarter than a lot of people. What happens- Watch all the comments are gonna comment on that, but well, I feel happens, like we should mention like Larry's like- he's, Real smart? He's real smart, yeah. I've got all the I've got a bunch of degrees and all that kind got of. Got a bunch of degrees under his belt. He's written things like you're yeah, fifty books, published books. But so. I know that's that's perfect. I feel like that goes to show it's not exactly how you talk or or how you read. It's I don't know, like skill and intelligence. Is it just measured by by just one. those little things like a lot yeah. of people think they are. Well, and what that's really what started me on this quest like 20 years ago. I, I wanted to find out, I wanted to find out um, what, why I am this way. And I found out, yeah, I was dyslexic. I took the, the Woodcox um, battery of tests and found out I was also really off the scales in, in, in uh, conceptual understanding and all these other matrix that are not measured in school, but that this particular test measures it. And I also decided to dig into what is it, what is dyslexia and what it, and ADD, because I was that way too, you know, real fidgety in, in the back of the class. Yeah. And I found that the, that we have, we need to have visual work when we're little kids back fourth, third grade, there, you know, there's a, a list of 255 non-visual words and they're all you know like and the but they're there i still have to think about when i write there is it they are or they're there over there or is it there it belongs to them yeah. i've just here, here. yeah and i still and i still have to go a b c d e f g oh yeah okay oh my god no i do and yet no i do too i do terrible. too i that's this and reading would be like this for me you know with barbara bunn standing and um we called her the spelling police you know i would oh i bet she was have to read out loud and what you would find yourself doing is trying to go down the little primer to find a visual word and then your mind would put it together so in reality our type of thinking is high speed you know we're high speed visual thinkers and so you know i, I I didn't, I didn't understand what that meant. And 
and really dug into it to find out more. And that's what, what kind of the things that we're going to cover in this podcast is how that, that, oh, here's the bottom line in all this. I found also through now almost 20 years of having this great therapist that I worked with over the years that my mind was working perfectly. My mind is working perfect when I was in school and I would get frozen on something or I would, you know, like couldn't spell something. And then I would feel, I would be almost like in a frozen state uh, like that. Yeah. What, like it's not that, a disability. It's like your body's natural response. Yeah. And, like for and different sorts of things. And if you go back far enough, you find that that ability was part of our survival fight or flight. Like, do I get, this is dangerous. So for me, school was dangerous, dangerous. Like it was embarrassing. Therefore it was dangerous. I'd be made fun. You know, yeah. I can't like a you. kid, you know, like that's your biggest worry is being yeah. embarrassed. Yeah. And so here's the true story in the third grade. I got called to the nurse's office and I took a bunch of these tests and I didn't know why. And I didn't know there was anything wrong or anything like that. And she said, and then the teacher came in and they had a big discussion. And of course, Barbara Bunn found out about it, how she knew, I had no idea, but um, that I was gonna be held back. This is the kiss of death. When you're in the third grade and couldn't understand why was I being held back? Back in those days, we had, in the 50s, we had kids that were um, that were called retarded that were in our class. We'd have, we had two of these two kids that were retarded. They didn't have distinctions about that back then. They just it was a place for them to sit. They got promoted to the fourth grade, and I was going to be held back. And so, what did that mean to me? Stupid. I was dumber than a retarded kid. That was my belief system at the time. But the other problem was um, back then, I had a girlfriend. I was like kind of cute, I guess, in a, as a little kid. Oh, in third grade? Third grade. And I had the best looking girlfriend then, <laughs> which all it meant was that I wrote her name on on the board, you know, on something, yeah. and she saw it, and, you know, like that. And went, ooh. Yeah. Oh my and God. There was no way that I was going to be, I realized um, that no fourth grader because she would get promoted to fourth grade would be seen with the third grade kid that was dumber than a retard no. so i decided but i was supposed to take home a note to my mother luckily she never read any of that stuff or took too much interest in my school and i took the note home and i was the first forgery I ever did i got her checkbooks while she worked mr chambers i wrote i signed it do not hold back i wrote you know in her handwriting and i took the note back it was my first delve into the criminal world and i oh got my gosh. i got i got promoted did the police school. ever find out about that uh, and i hate to put this out there because it could you know undo everything that i've done yeah they might make you go back and do the third grade again mm, i hate hear it. Here, here's another here's another thing that they don't tell you when you're dyslexic how many people are dyslexic once i started to talk about this you know like my my i went to college and i had this football coach and he was like my hero and I talked to him a few years ago and he said, oh yeah, I was dyslexic. And I had this, you know, he made friends with this girl that could spell and he made sure that um, wow. she, she walked home safe uh, where they lived and she helped him with his homework. And then I, I one time I interviewed this uh, head of, this is up in Montana, I won't say this, this city, Billings. Um, and he was the head of this hospital. I mean, he was the 
head you know, surgeon of this hospital. And he told me, he says, yeah, I was dyslexic. I had a really difficult time. Because I said, one of the things that a lot of professionals won't tell you is that they had to cheat to get by. Because I had to. Because I would rather die than have anybody know that I couldn't spell or I couldn't, I, I couldn't read. Yeah. And he says, oh, I had the same problem. And he goes, the only thing is, I don't, I don't tell people about it because what are they going to think? That I'm a doctor and I cheated and now I'm the head of this you know, prominent clinic or hospital. Yeah. You know, they might send me back to the third grade, the very thing that he said. So these, yeah. are, these are issues that as an adult, as somebody, I'm like now 73, ouch. And I've gone through all these years of, a, a number of years of hiding, covering that up, not, and actually driven to be smart, driven to be thought of as smart. Because if I, if I get all the accolades, if I get a master's degree, if I get all of this stuff, if I have a great job, if I'm making a ton of money, no one will dare question me. Hey, are you kind of a dumb guy? You know, they're not going to like look at my grade, you know, be great. Yeah. They're not going to look at all your, all the books you've written and be like, Those are oh, good. wow. Yeah. That guy must be a doofus. Or... Yeah. They, they're not allowed to think that because I've entered into the world of academia's sacred grounds. The writer, you know, <laughs> and just to show you, I just put this in another in a paper that I was working on about the most. Let me see if I can find it and read it to you. But it's like the most prominent. Um, uh, most. Okay. Oh, here it is. Um, why are Oxford psychologists some of the most formidable talkers? Words tumble out rapidly. Um, sometimes, uh, see, I have a hard time reading this. Um, it's in, syntactically. Oh my God, you have a hard time reading this? Yeah. Their, their emphasis on, on grammatical correct speech patterns is so extreme. The tone of their voice has the hallmark of an Oxford professor. But the bottom line is, they emphasize speaking because of the academic fear that committing anything to print could be objectively judged. So they'd rather not do it. So that's the, that's the big fear that the academics have. And um, I love that too. It's so like, and there's one know. of the things that we'll do is I've defined all of these things that have helped me, which I want to help you in, yeah. in your future. And anybody listening. Well, you, when I say you, it's correct. Yeah, yeah. Oh, smart. Um, and, and so I, I'm going to use words like hunter-farmer, convergent, divergent thinkers, and those things, and especially hunter-farmer, because that's a shorthand for those of us that are creatively unworthy that we get to use. We should explain those terms, though, okay. for anybody listening at home. A, a hunter and is I'm not some gun-toting gun guy out in the fields, you know, trying to kill deer or something. A hunter is a metaphor, hunter farm, it's a metaphor to explain um, our type of brain. So we're the hunters, we're out, the creative hunter is, you know, out, out. Um, it, it'd be like the, the top of the class kid versus uh, the guy yeah. if you dropped in the middle of the woods who would survive longer. Yeah, you know, I, I, like, that's perfect. 
some people just have that brain where they're more mm -hmm. situational. Barbara Bunn would die in the jungle. And I thrived in the jungle. Actually, um, when I was in, I was actually in the Vietnam War and I moved from the back of the class to the head of the class. And I actually got a combat um, promotion to sergeant. I went, I went and I was a private uh, to sergeant because of, I, I knew things. My brain came alive, my hunter brain. I had intuition. I knew when the, it's like I knew when the enemy, where they would be, and where, how many there were, what was going to happen ahead of time. And so I walked point on a ranger team. I was a U.S. Army ranger. And then, you know, I come back to the United, come back to the States. And suddenly that kind of information isn't desired or, you know, the hunter brain isn't needed. You know, I go into the university system surrounded by farmers, you know, the farmer. So I, I call a, a farmer and it sounds demeaning, but I don't mean yeah. like, I don't mean farm farmer, like some old guy milking cows. Like there's nothing wrong with milking cows. I milk cows. Yeah. It's, it's just like the mindset of somebody who can remember dates and like very good at reading, very good at academia kind of. I like to think of it as somebody that's good at picking bugs off leaves. You can do it all day long. <laughs> There's whole cultures yeah. of farmers, and when you think of it, one of the big ones is China, you know, Vietnam, um, any of these countries that has this intense um, need for conformity and for, you know, this, this ability to sit for long periods of time without distract, you know, and not be distracted. You and I, it's very difficult for us to sit for long periods yeah. of time. As I get older, I can do it. But you're, you know how hard that is, right? I'm sure the audience has noticed this conversation kind of just like oh yeah, well, scatters they, everywhere. I actually just heard that's it. what happens when two ADHD people get together. Yeah. Audience. I I just read this study and it was about um, it was about um, they they did this test to. Uh, a comparison of of um, there we go. It just lost. Yeah, that's okay. I'll think of it again. That's all right. Um, but oh, it's kind of germane to this topic of hunters and farmers. Um, anyway, the term might sound derogatory. It's meant to be derogatory. No, don't say that. Uh, well, you know, for the our first part. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Our what first I mean podcast, is, and we're already canceled. They have been my nemesis my whole life, and I haven't had. And they're they can attack me, but I'm not allowed to attack them. And I'm at the stage of life that fuck it, I don't really care. I'll, you know, what are they going to do? Send me back to, you know, dysfunctional school, you know. But the farmers have been shaming us our whole lives, and what I mean by that, they're nice people, you know, but they don't realize what they're doing, you know, most like school teachers, classic farming. And I'm gonna get in and explain, you know, really what that means is that they, again, it's about this ability to sit and learn things. And um, what this podcast is about is to give you motivation to have the time to learn and get through, you know, to get through school and not feel like a dumb shit. Um, yeah. Several years ago, it was in 2009, I got invited to go back to Patterson, New Jersey, and I got to speak to 250, uh, the student body, 250 kids that had all, they were there 
by because they lashed out. They were, and then almost all of them were ADD and dyslexic. And just like if you go look in the in the in the criminal system and in in, in in jails, almost on in prison, almost everybody in there is ADD. Yeah. ADD. Hyperactive with nowhere to go. All that they energy. And they lash out. They just they don't have a governor on that on that on that. And so these matter of fact, one of the kids. They told me one of the kids was absent because he had um, murdered somebody. It was like that. It was Patterson. Ooh. Yeah, and no. So I got up. And Is that an excused absence, though? Is that okay? Oh, you're so yeah. See, that's the kind of humor I love. So I got up and I, you know, here I'm like this white, old white guy, you know, speaking to predominantly brown and black student body. And like, I'm going to try to win them over, you know. They've heard all of this, you know, stuff before, yeah. blah, 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 but, Do better in school, kids. Yeah, all that crap. And what, what I can remember when I hooked them was when I described being in the war and, you know, seeing somebody dead and what that was like. And it was just like they were like really intensely listening because that that had, you know, they had experienced a lot of stuff like that that a lot of white people never, never experienced in their you know, their lives. And so I related to them and they related to me. And then I, and then I had fun with it because I said, look, I'm the guy that was in the back of the room and all this kind of stuff like you, I didn't get kicked out of school. Well, yeah, I did, I got kicked out of my English class, but um, in high school for talking, of course. Yeah. Um, I said, I'm gonna do a little experiment with you guys Okay, so I'm gonna say, watch, because I knew that I could see in the side of the room, the auditorium, the teachers were all over on one side, kind of some were listening, some weren't, and they were all kind of talking amongst themselves. So I said, you guys watch this. Hey, how many, uh, how many of you are, um, pub, you know, have a published book? No hands went up. How many of you have, a, have any of you ever published an article? And no, no, I think one hand went up. And I said, I'm like, them i mean i'm dyslexic and add and i've got 50 books and maybe a thousand articles published and they were like uh what is he talking about i don't get it and i said i just kind of wanted to show you that um that your teachers aren't as smart as they think they are you know because they hold up getting published as and not that there's anything wrong with teachers there's a lot of really my son yeah teacher there's nothing wrong my, with my special ed teacher was actually really awesome I had to commend any of my teachers, even though being in special ed, I feel like it's kind of inappropriate for- It wasn't, it is inappropriate. Just that term, yeah. special ed, that shamed you. And that's what I meant by my teachers shamed me. I can't tell you how many times I stood up against the blackboard with my nose on the spot on the blackboard for you know hours at a time and had to write shit on the wall and had to do all this kind of stuff. And I finally, like I said, in the fourth grade, I gave up and I just decided, Rather than go through the humiliation, I'll cheat. And I became great at it. I mean, I could be writing something and looking sideways at somebody else's test. And, you know, I got through. And it was, wasn't until I was probably, um, it wasn't until junior college. That's where those of us go that are not great students go, you know, to-, to That's where I am right now. College. Yeah, it's it's great. Now. It's cheap. Yeah, it's, it's cheap. It's where we go. And I learned how to read. And I, 
the first, my very first te college test, they're the blue book test, and it was an essay thing, and I flunked, I got an F. But our teacher, who was also a coach, told us, look, we'll give you another chance, and he gave, he actually gave me a tutor, and this guy showed me, and this is after all of high school and all of grammar school, some kid on the football team took, you know, took me under his wing. He was like a year older than I was. So he was, uh, I was 17, he was 18 or 19 or something. And we went to the library, which was one of the first times I'd ever been in a library. And he showed me how the library worked in five minutes. And by describing how, um, um, how the ones, I can't remember exactly what it was, but how it led through history all the way through. And so he described that to me using visual words, which I understood. And then he said, look, when, when you want to, um, when you want to, uh, what I, I could read by then a little pretty good, but I didn't have comprehension. I couldn't remember what I was reading. So I said, okay. So he, we go into this booth that, and you could then get um, music, like classical music, put on classical music, which I didn't realize was kind of opening up my prefrontal cortex. And it was, it was getting your creative side, kind of getting the juices flowing. And he goes, now I want you to do is read because the, the thing I flunked was, was like on the civil war or something. I want you to pretend like you're in the civil war. You're next to this general. So I was next to, uh, you know, Grant. And I still remember the name and, and, so just as you're reading this, visualize yourself being there. And I did. And I took the test and I got a B on it. My, my, it was a semester, you know, like the midterm. So I got a midterm B in college. I was blown away. That's amazing. And I didn't cheat. The big thing was I didn't cheat, but I couldn't run around going like, guess what? I didn't cheat. And I got to Hey, how are you doing? Like to meet you today. And I didn't cheat on this test. And then your I teacher did. she's like what we what did you just say <laughs> so then then the um the big step because everybody knows in order to and this is deliberately designed this way by your threshold guardian farmers you have to take a math class to graduate from college you know to get a graduate to get sorry your, not to interrupt you but i also want to say logic vein <laughs> logic brain versus creative brain kind of too just to keep repeating the terms so people can oh, okay right yeah so i took the i decided i had to take this math class so i took trigonometry and i don't know if it still goes this way for you guys but for my generation i could clear a room out by saying the word trigonometry trigonometry hello i'm going to take trigonometry people go like i i don't know i'm not i'm very stupid i don't know what that means i'm going to hell i don't so I had a really great, now this is back to the different uh, types of brains. And I don't want to get into it too deep, but he was a visual teacher, my trigonometry teacher. And trigonometry can be very visual. And he said something like, you know, you can, you can look, you can look at, a, you can measure a distance to that mountain and you can then measure the height of that mountain and you can know, you know, the, the, um, you can figure out, how did he say it, like the angle, or you could, if you knew the angle to the, you could shoot an angle to the top of that mountain. And if you knew the distance of the mountain, 
here's this formula that shows you the height of the mountain. And I went like, oh my God, no one ever explained it to me that way. So there was this practical, I got an A in trigonometry. I got an A. And then I ended up graduating a junior college, we call it junior college, call it community college. I got an A degree and I got a, um, I graduated with high honors or something like that. But here's the problem because I needed more time to kind of like do the classes. I lowered my, um, my class schedule from it was like 15 units to 12 and immediately got a draft notice back then in those days. It was like they had spies and farmers were out, you know. They were waiting. Nixon's farmers. Two more units down and. Let's see, this guy has taken only 12 units and it immediately put me in, made me 1A, which that meant I was eligible for the draft. But being creative, I contacted my draft board and I cut a deal with them. Probably nobody even knows that you could do that. I said, look, let me, because I, I, I still had another semester to get the degree. If you'll let me graduate, I'll volunteer for the draft. You don't have to find me. I won't go to Canada. I'll just bone. I want to go anyway, because I think it's the right thing to do, blah, blah, blah. And they said, yeah. okay. So they gave me, cut me a deal. And I, once I graduated, then I volunteered. But I just, I have tons, as you do, things about school that, at the time would have been embarrassing to say, I would have never said it, but now I don't give it, I don't, like I said, I don't care what people think, you know, I'm at this age where, what are you going to do? Like send me back to Vietnam? Huh? I already went there. I love it. I go back all the time. Matter of fact, I lived there for the last 10 years, Vietnam and Cambodia. Yeah. So anyway, that, so I use the terms hunter farmer as a kind of a, um, and taught you that you liked it so much. Yeah, I do love the term. Uh, and he's writing a book shorthand. on it, guys. Isn't well, that's that cool? kind of where this is going. It's shorthand for you're the hunter and there's the farmers and there's nothing wrong with farmers. They're good people. And you'll find out as you start connecting the dots in this that, uh, here's an example. Last or two years ago, Steven Spielberg came out as a dyslexic. He came out of the closet. He was dyslexic. <gasps> all the, I knew he was dyslexic. Like, 20 years ago and how I knew it was because of this farmer that he had Kathleen Kennedy she's like if you know if you go back and look at all the Steven Spielberg movies you'll always see underneath his name as an associate producer with Kathleen Kennedy and she became very famous and very rich she was his farmer she was the one that made sure he came across intelligent that way he could go out there and be whatever he, you know, be the super creative guy. And this is what really smart hunters do, like um, Richard Banson, you know, the um, Virgin Airlines. He's got something like 280 companies that he runs, but he doesn't run them. He has hired farmers to run them. He's one of these smart hunters that have. Now, a lot of farmers do not, they, they look at that term as derogatory, but I'm sorry. You could also say logic brain. So people say don't no, logic we're gonna brain. Stick, yeah, we're going to stick with yeah, yeah, yeah. farmers because I'm just help. I'm helping the, our imaginary listeners because it's are, our first podcast. Yes. Our first responder imaginary listeners. Yes. <laughs> and now, okay, here's another thing about hunters and farmers, and it's really simple way to understand them. Hunters need dopamine. They're dopamine deficient. And 
maybe at some date in the future they'll call dyslexia and ADD dopamine deficiency or something like that. That just mean, dopamine is what turns on your prefrontal cortex and allows you to think in the classical sense. When, when a lot of hunters, when they're kids like myself, when I would go to take an important test, I put the word important. Oh my God, this is the make or break test. And my mind would go blank and I would stare at a blank pages after page. I couldn't even read the words. My mind was working perfect. What it did was it fight or flight. It cut off the blood flow to the brain and it went into the part of the uh, uh, the, the brain that is the fight or flight. I can't remember what the name of that function is, but there's no memory in that part of the brain. So I'd look at these test questions and I had no memory of anything because I was in fight or flight. I didn't know that. Nobody ever taught that. Nobody, no, my great hunter, my great farmer teachers didn't know that either. It's just that I would, matter of fact, I like to brag about my ACT test that I took my college entrance exam was so low, they didn't even return it to me. It was like, I mean, I, I, what I believe is that they pinned it on the SAT wall, uh, you know, for the lowest scores ever, ever received, you know, I don't know, but, uh, the, but the farmer, you see where they're going with that. So the farmers are dopamine, uh, surplus. And this really came clear to me. Um, in other words, they, they don't need a lot of dopamine to stay focused and, and think clearly. This really became clear to me during when I was in Vietnam, because most of us guys out in the jungle were hunters and guys in the rear, not, not all, but a lot of the guys that were in the back, we called them in the rear, like the officers and so forth, they were farmers. Well, one of these guys came into our unit and he was this super smart guy, smarter than all of us combined. And he wanted to go out into, you know, on a lerp team, on our ranger team. Yeah. And after a while, you know, he went, we took him with us. And there's even, and even the, uh, you know, modern day rangers will tell this, nobody knows who's going to freak under the conditions of combat. But as a lerp team, you're behind enemy lines. You're constantly surrounded by enemy soldiers that's what you do you're out you there you can get shot like at any time oh at any second yeah and this guy literally freaked out and he ended up shooting one of our own guys in the head and we got rid of him because he was overwhelmed by this he had too much dopamine for me it was great I, in the jungle i was at home i was like yes why didn't somebody tell me this before i mean except for the getting i shot. could just live out here it's i could live out here i love this yeah. you know i'm at home but for my farmer friends, it was like he went into shock. I mean, yeah. and it was so obvious that. And it's not that he was stupid. He was brilliant. Was just brilliant. like not in this way, not in this skill set. Not That was his skill set. And of course, yeah. he was shamed for it, which is one of the only times a farmer would ever get shamed or something like that. Yeah. And we were, we were um, uh, promoted for it, for having that ability. You know, and I became, like I said, a sergeant in six months. It takes three years to become a sergeant in the army. And I got a battlefield promotion because, because of that. So those are an example of yeah. why I use it. You could even say it's kind of like the soldier mindset versus the scholar mindset. See, like if we were to go back a hundred years, I bet that would be really useful because everybody yeah. always had those armies from all the time. And now well, we're like kind of peaceful where we almost, we don't have yeah. as many, uh, 
we don't have a bunch of standing armies everywhere. Well, and it's, but like, but it's useful because back hundred years ago, like everybody would be like, "Wow, you're like the you could defend our whole town." Yeah, and if you go back further, go back thousands of years, and the generals led the charge. The generals yeah. were hunters. The generals yeah. now are farmers. They, you know, it's about getting promoted, and that that's kind of one of the things that um, that was a downfall in in um, like the Vietnam War is. A lot of these guys were there to get, in, in, in order to, we used to call it punch your ticket, they would have to do a tour in Vietnam, and then they would go from captain to major, you know, they go back and they would lead the thing. So that was a great place for them to punch their ticket, where we were just like, eh, you know, we're out yeah. really in Actually it. fighting the war over here, you know. And just as a, a sergeant in combat, I didn't really see a lot of officers. I mean, I saw them in helicopters, and I saw them in the rear. But unless they were an infantry grunt officer, most were not around. You know, the ones that were around were hunters. These guys were like, you know, out there and could survive and anything. And you find a lot of them were also had been enlisted men that had rose to, you know, had got promoted to the rank of officer. Anyway, not to dwell on that. That's yeah. so that's why. I, I think that's a really good example, though. Oh, good. Yeah. So I use it as a. It's kind of a derogatory term that us hunters get to use that most people aren't, you know, they're too worried about, you know, racial things and all that kind of, you know, things like that to worry about our stupid hunter farmer. Yeah. Our, our, the poor disabled hunters who, because yeah. ADHD, what is it? Uh, it? It's a disorder, right? We're, we're mentally handicapped and dyslexia yeah. too. We're, yeah. we're broken. And it, here's a, a, another uh, an analogy that I like to use as a bat has a disability. They're blind. They can't see. They have to fly at night. You know, the bat yeah. is like basically if there was bat psychologists, they would try to teach the bat how to fly during the daylight hours. Yeah. You know, so you they, just need to try harder. Need to try harder. And yet the, you know, people and scientists will even say, well, the bat is has this functional ability it 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 it, ha it has sonar and radar and can it does all of these amazing things flying mm -hmm. in the in the pitch darkness can you know bounce off it it's the reason why all those folds on the bat's face and the ears those are partially the way the reflections come back of the high-pitched freak sounds that they'll send out and it bounces off the insects the trees and they're able to distinguish between a stationary target, I mean, the tree to fly around it and a moving target, which is the insect and capture it. And it does this all with a brain that's less than uh, an ounce, yeah. it's tiny, tiny brain. And it does, it has no background in mathematics, geometry or physics, and yet does these incredible calculations without even knowing it knows how to do these calculations. But that's okay because it's a functional design. I love that. I love that. And I, I listen to a lot of psychology videos, and I, I feel like I found the other, the only hunter brain psychologist, he's great, but I'm not going to mention him because a lot of people hate him right now, because he... Who is he? No, you've set it up, we have to know. He's, no, he's very analytical, and he says things about biology that people don't like, but he was, he was talking about, like, how you can play the game without knowing the rules. And if you took a bunch of kids and you had them play like tic-tac-toe together, they would 
and they're like five, four, three years old, like really young kids. They could play the game with each other and none of them could know the rules and you could take them aside and they don't try to tell you what they are and not really know. Mm-hmm. Like humans and animals just like, it's like the hunter brain thing. Like yeah. they're things you can't explain. They're just kind of like rules well, that we Here's another thing to add on to what you're saying is it, it wasn't that long ago, people weren't educated, you know, really. You go back to the turn of the last century, um, people like, um, we imported the German system of education in, into, our, into America. We brought that over, you know, 200 years ago. And that is a very, the Germans are very farmer-like. I mean, even today, they're, you know, it's like very strict and yeah. very, they do things. The, the, the stereotype is they don't get humor, right? Humor is well, very creative. Yeah. And here, here's an example of German influence in our education system. Kindergarten. Kindergarten is a garden of children, of small children. Oh, my God. It's right out of you know, Germany. And so this farmer mentality was laid over our setting for the things like the industrial revolution we wanted to ha- educate a work a workforce to be smart enough to be able to put you know a, a washer on a bolt and have that kind of an education and we started free education and it, it wasn't it wasn't out of the kindness of our hearts it was actually to help you know build the economy and build build things and so this system came in but what's happened is over the years that system has gotten out of control. In other words, the the farmer is also the threshold guardian of who gets in to these schools, you know, which is always a big debate with the people. It's usually about color because most blacks are have the hunter brain. They're out, I mean, the guys that I know are like t- total hunters. And I, I don't want to get into a whole, you know, racist thing, but you know. When that whole thing, Black like Black Lives Matter, when that whole thing, when Black Lives Matter came out, and I looked at it like Black lives have always mattered. To me, I mean, there was never even as a hunter, it's like, duh, of course they matter, you know. And I live in a country. I, I live. I've been living in Cambodia. Everybody's brown, you know. I'm sorry, Mr. Okay. Old White Guy, but the world is brown and black. And it's not, and there's really small little bits of it that are white, you know, but that's another whole nother uh, topic. Yeah. We but should probably to, steer clear of uh, racial issues. Or... You can't help it. You're going to get yeah. into it. They're there. And that's because races, um, we all have a race. You know, we're all, I think we're all the same. Anyway, back to, yeah. back to the, the, how the farmer threshold guardians are the, they're the gatekeepers of the university. So if you're dyslexic, ADD, um, you're probably not going to get into those. You're not going to pass their tests. That's why I call them threshold guardians. And because of that, all of the graduates are going to be more on the farmer brain type. And, and that is fine for, you know, count, accounting and adding up everything and running big businesses, that farmer mentality. But it's not great when it comes to things like, how do you deal with race? How do you deal with those issues? Because they're coming from this either or kind of farmer mentality that that is trying to 
if you're on the left side, they're trying to make things over equal. If you're on the right, there are these conservatives that trying to cut what I, whatever conservatives believe in. Um, but there, um, there's an overabundance of this farmer thought pattern in government, in education, in politics, everything, in every part of society. And there's very little hunter brains that are allowed to get in. And, you know, examples of it are guys that, draw, I mean, almost all of the entrepreneurs that everybody quotes, and they always find out they're dyslexic or something, dropped out of college, you know. College is designed, so when you start, our education is designed on the, on the German system, if you want, if I can use that term, that starts in kindergarten and goes all the way up to the highest level of intelligence, which is to become a professor. That's in that mind, mindset. So it's always about getting the next degree, getting the advanced degree. In writers, it's about becoming, well, they'll ask me, do you have a, 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 an, a um, what's the term for, for writers, their degrees? Now I can't even think of it. Um, uh, liberal arts? Okay, no, English. No, uh, the... Oh my God, everybody's laughing at us. FM, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the, the degree that people that can't get published go and get, you know. Oh. I meet them all the time. English? No, not English. Creative writing, what is it? Um, they get an FMA, that's it. Yeah. MA. And I think that's the right term. And I don't have one. People who can't get published get. Yeah, well, they can't. And We're on to you guys. Yeah, and they they but they still want to be creative, and they still, you know, and their their mecca is University of Iowa, you know, and the Iowa Writers Conference. That's like that's like Harvard for writers, you know. And I've been back to those classes and and had and had my instructors say, "Why are you even here?" You know, most of the people are there to become creative and learn. I was over creative. I get too many ideas. I need yeah. editing. I need to go to the University of Editing, you know. How do oh, I that's edit? a great place. Yeah, how do we edit our ideas? So this is kind of our first, and we've already gone an hour, if you can believe it. Our first kind of setup, and, and I probably got myself in trouble with all kinds of, you know. Oh yeah, the internet's already on fire. So I'm just trying to sit here quietly so I don't get any of the storm. I'll just be like, I smile and nodded, but I didn't agree with anything you said. Yeah, you didn't agree. You're safe. And I can be attacked because I'll just go back to Cambodia. So <laughs> yeah, I love it there. Anyway, that's it for our today's first podcast. And we'll yeah, I think here. that'd be good. Okay. This is perfect. Okay, how do we now turn it off? Okay. Like those old stop. guys looking. How do I do this? Yeah. Uh stop recording and uh then we'll create a base for learning and understanding. Um, and then we'll get into techniques and ideas that as, as a dyslexic and ADD person, what you can do to avoid, a, you know, a, a, to, 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 you're never gonna avoid, people are gonna attack you as we were talking about, but things that you can really know in your heart of hearts so it'll keep you on course. So you won't quit. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you won't quit. And I just recorded that. I guess. No. Your excuse. Cause you're always late or waiting totally 